Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Hi, Etta. My favorite person's in the room. I'm going to have a good day. Good morning. Good to see everybody here. Good morning. My name is Ryan. I'm the teaching pastor here at LBCF. If you've been coming for a couple of months, uh, you may have seen a lot of different people. One of those reasons is because we really value having a teaching team. We value having a variety of people who read read the text in very unique and uh, powerful ways. And so we value having a teaching team. I was also on sabbatical through May. And so if you came any time in the last couple months, I may be a new face to you. If you are joining us online, we are happy to have you here as well. Um, we went through a series that started pretty much at the end of our Easter season and went all the way through last week talking about how to live like Jesus. And that seems like it could just be the caption of the Christian life, and it is. Um, but we have it on our freeways sign. We have it on our church branding all the time. And it's really important for us as Christian people to put flesh on those words and to actually parse out and talk about how, what does that mean practically? How do we actually do it? What what does the life of Jesus actually call us to do? Because our belief is great, but belief actually plays itself out when we actually live as though it were true. When we actually believe something, we live as though it's true. And so when we say that we want to live like Jesus, one of the first things that we do and we should always do and we should repeat doing over and over and over again is actually looking at the life of Christ and saying, what is this calling me to live into? Not just what can I agree is, is true or right in my brain, but what can I actually live into? And so we are wrapping that up, um, although that is something, like I said, that should continue on into everything that we do. And I would encourage you that if you don't have a practice of it already, reading the Gospels is something that, that should be a part of your every day, every week, just this repeated thing that is a part of you, because that really is our discipleship. Learning who Christ is and saying, what does that call me into? And so we're starting a new series today that I'm calling Wonder. Wonder. Learning from the, the time in Exodus. What is the desert wisdom in Exodus? Wonder. And so we are going to be talking about that because, as you may have heard, LBCF is coming up on its 40th year. I think it's July 12th. July 12th, 1983 was when this community began. And so 40 years seems like a very good time to talk about Exodus and desert wanderings because as you can tell, there's still a fair amount of things that we have to 
learn and grow from and things that we continuously repeat as God's people that after 40 years is up, it seems like as God's people, we start another 40 years of trying to figure it out. That once God's people enter the promised land, they still had things to figure out. And so as God's people, what can we learn from the nomadic wandering of a tribe of people that didn't know how to be community yet? That God called them into the desert, and as they do, so do we often do, that when things get hectic or when things get slim or when we experience tough things, often we can move to survival, We can live in this place where we feel like things are scarce or that we won't be taken care of or all of a sudden this generous God that we say we believe in, we don't live as though that's true. So in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2, he says that he brought them into the desert and he tested them so that he could know what was in their heart. He brought them into the desert so that he could know what was in their heart. And the beautiful thing is that that word, know, often actually has a much more intimate sort of knowing. It's the same sort of knowing that Adam did with Eve. Do you guys know where I'm headed with this? Are we all adults in the room? It has a sexual connotation of intimacy. That when you know it's an intimate sort of relational experience, God wanted to have an intimate relational experience of what was in the heart of his people. And sometimes he draws us out so that we can see what's deep inside our own hearts. And as we'll see today, what was in the hearts of the people as they came out a month and a half removed from slavery... In Egypt, they had an intimate relational experience of what was in their own hearts. And it becomes really clear. And when you take food away from people, you find out what they're made of very quickly. And so we are going to find out also. So would you, op- would you bow your heads with me as we open in prayer? Lord, rather than coming to the word t- Today, as someone that can sit in a seat of judgment or expertise, Lord, we come to it, I come to it with a humble mirror that says, oh, that's me. I do that. Lord, how can we be your people in a time where a dying and hurting world need to see that there's hope, need to see that there's love, needs to see that something called peace that could pass what we understand exists. Show us how to live into the calling of your people to be people of hope, to be people of great imagination and great memory. Lord, would you show us how to do that as we come to your word? Humble us in all of the ways that we've concluded we already know. Show us again. Give us new eyes. Renew our hearts to see things that we 
um, that we think we have all, Lord, that we would rely on you for the daily bread. Lord, if, if there's an anxious, if it, I, I just sense that there's, there's a lot that was carried into this room. Heavy weeks, anxious weeks. Lord, before we even start trying to talk through it, Lord, would we just sense that your presence is here? That you can carry our full weight that you have us. As it says in Exodus 14, all we need to do is be still and that you'll fight for us. In those relationships that are tense, in that jobs situation, in the upcoming election, in things that just feel broken beyond repair. Show us what it means to trust in you and to be still, knowing that you have us. Help, help us to be open-handed. Help us to be led well by your s- s- spirit all the time. In your name, amen. Before we start, so uh, I always get permission from my kids before I share a story about them, but they are my greatest source material, um, and so I always have things that pop up, and I was talking, and as I was preparing this week, um, I thought of something that happened when Lexi and Vanessa and I went to see my sister. Is Lexi in the room? Yes, okay. So, uh, we were, uh, I took them down to the river in Sacramento because anytime I'm around nature, I just drag my family and I go, look at it, isn't it beautiful? Um, and I was there and we were hanging out and nobody else was having fun, but I was making people appreciate nature. And then uh, we went back to the parking a lot and I was like, oh no. I think I locked my keys in the car, and the sun was starting to set. And as you know, in these sort of parking lot areas um, of these things, once the sun sets, they just close the gate, lock it, and leave. They hadn't done that yet, but I didn't know where my keys were, and I thought that I had locked them in the car. And so I call call AAA, and I'm like, hey, uh, I just need somebody to come open my door. I'm not thinking this is a big problem. I'm like, this is a very solvable problem. Meanwhile, I look over, Alexi has a stick in her hand, and it's like, in the arms of an angel. And she's writing help on, in the sand. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm like, I, <laughs> so I, I look over, and it's like this... Uh, depressing, sad scene that all of a sudden we're going to need to be like air lifted from a helicopter out of here or something. And I'm like, but what was so interesting to me is that in her context with the things that she had seen, that's what we would have needed was to write help in the sand to be rescued out of this moment. 
Because if you don't have anything else to draw from but your experience and the things you've seen, your imagination can't even say, oh, there's an entire company that's meant to come and open cars for people that lock them inside. But she didn't have that as a part of her experience. So she, could, so she couldn't imagine it. She couldn't because she didn't have that to draw from. All she knew is that when people say, oh, we are stuck, the next thing you do is write help in the sand and somebody comes and helps you. So it was so interesting to me to think that the same way that we are called to imagine, sometimes if we forget, sometimes in the scriptures it calls people to remember over and over and over again. And the reason it calls them to remember over and over and over again is not so that they live in the past, but so that they can have a better imagination. If we can remember well, we will be people of good imagination of what could be possible. And sometimes we forget. Oftentimes we forget. And so, I want to have you guys open your Bibles. Just pretend. Can you make paper sounds since nobody has a paper? Okay. Make paper sounds, and we're going to open our text, and we're going to go to a few places, but we're going to start in Exodus chapter 12, and I have them all on the slides, so I don't know why I make such a big deal that nobody has a paper Bible, because I have them on the slides anyway, but it makes me, it fills the room with noise when people make paper sounds. So we're going to start in Exodus chapter 12, and we're going to go to a few different places today. So Exodus chapter 12, I'm just going to read a couple pieces of this, because if you are new to the faith, if, if Christianity is something new, and I don't, want to, I don't want to take for granted that this story may be entirely new to you. You may have seen the Prince of Egypt, and that's your whole context for Moses and Exodus, and that's fine. Beautiful. Soundtrack is awesome. But I want to share some of this with you, because what happened is Moses is kind of like, I feel like I have more claim to Moses than most of you because he stuttered. And so I get to sort of like, he's my guy. You can have other people, but Moses is for me. And so um, what we are doing today is we are looking at a passage that, that starts after God calls Moses to go be the mouthpiece to to bring deliverance for Israel from the bondage of empire, Egypt, okay? And then he pronounces 10 plagues. And right after the pronouncement of the 10th plague, God ordains a meal called the Passover. And this Passover had a lot of very particular ways to eat, kinds of things to eat, and they were all intentional and purposeful to remind them of the story of what had just happened. And he said, and there are a few passages that sort of outline. So this is Exodus 12. This is right after the plague of the firstborn had been pronounced. He said, this month is for you to be the first month, the first, first month of your year. Then we're going to go to verse 14. It says, this is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. And this is verse 26. And when, I know it's a sad story. It's fine. So, and when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them it is the Passover 
sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. And so what we will see here is that God is calling them to do something repeatedly to tie them to this story, both for them and for years to come, that celebrating and participating in this was to draw them back to never forget what happened here because our tendency will be to forget. And the beautiful part is that when he calls them to remember well, this is not so that they would just live in that place because look what happens. Verse two, this month for you is to be the first month of your year. He says, actually everything happening from here forward, I'm gonna reorder time. Like, you are actually leaving behind an entire time line. You are stepping into a new reality. It was March yesterday. Today, it's October. Whatever you thought of the timeline before you is irrelevant because now you are stepping into a new time. That your calendar will start with this. When I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, time will start. And I think that that's so beautiful that he's saying, I'm going to invite you to remember, but I'm going to ask you to imagine an entirely new time frame that's going to start right now. Bookmark that, or, uh, and then we're going to go all, so we start very, very early, Exodus, and then we're going to go all the way to the end. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 21. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Did I skip things? I did. Okay. Keep that slide up. So just before, because it's important that we know that this is a pattern, not just of what God calls his people to do, but it's actually how God reveals himself to his people. So when he's calling Moses burning bush time, he said, then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So when we see when he calls him, what does God do? He says, remember, I'm the God of these pillars of faith that you know that I've been present for. What would that be for you? If God... in introduced himself to you, and he had to say, I am the God of, what are three moments in your past? For me, it would be like, I am the God of Costa Mesa and Reno and Bishop. Three places where I've seen him show up. I've seen him be faithful, where he's rescued me out of things, where he walked me through cancer. That God is the same God. When I remember better, I can imagine better. Because if I forget, I will make up in my head that he's incapable. He's incapable, uncapable. I love when I just make up words. Don't worry. We do it all the time. Pastors just make up words and you just move on and it's great. And you just sort of count on people not paying attention. Um, And so... This is where he said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and 
Jacob. And it's the way that he would introduce himself over and over and over again. Because Not because people would say, like, is this some other God? But because he wanted to evoke an emotion. He wanted to cause people's internal reality to align with, like, oh, yeah, I can trust that this is a capable, loving a God that cares about my freedom, that cares about my release from bondage, that I can actually stay present with this when you're terrified because he's calling you to remember who he's been. And then if we go all the way forward, we can see because oftentimes in churches, you will hear um, over and over and over again, there's a new thing happening, new, 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 right? And that we always talk about new things. New things are great. I'm not saying that they aren't because even in, as we see in Revelation 21.5, it says, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new, everything. So embracing something that's new is a beautiful thing and it can be a righteous and holy thing. And it can be a scary and terrifying thing, but there's also this tendency that we have to think that we've discovered something new, that we have special wisdom. And then we go to the book of wisdom. Ecclesiastes is one of those books. And I love the title of this passage, of of this chunk of text, because it says, everything is meaningless. That's the, like, header of this portion of text, and I love it so much. But it says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. So when somebody is reflecting on wisdom, he was also saying that when we think we've discovered something new, it's something that's been discovered a hundred times and will continue after us. And so there is this, this dichotomy of, okay, what is this new thing that I think I've dis- dis- discovered and how much might it have existed before me and how much of it is calling me to have an imagine? And so you can see that there's sort of this like, okay, is everything new or is nothing new? Like where, how do we live into that? Because we're clearly called to be people of great, imag- great memory and great imagination that we're called to remember who God has been and be open-handed enough to say, like, Lord, what are you making new here? And I think that the actual thread that runs through all of that is that when you set down the tendency to be the judge of it and be a recipient of it, that changes everything. That all of this, and when you're open-handed to say, like, Lord, who, how could this possibly play out? Rather than saying, this is how it needs to be, that changes everything. So when we're open-handed, it changes everything. So what wisdom do we get from looking at this wandering? And I love when I come up, and it doesn't happen often, but you're about to get like a very true preacher, three points, all with the same letter. I don't do it often, but when it happens, you're just going to have to like take it. So... What things can we learn? What things do we need to learn from Israel's wandering? We need to learn to wait. We need to learn to worship, and we need to learn to wonder. Wait and worship and wonder. God's people are called to be faithful in remembering and full of imagination. 
I want to go now to chapter uh, 12, verses 1. Uh, let's see. I already read chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. I am going to actually, this is not in the slides, but I want to read something from Psalms. Psalm chapter 78, because if you look forward, it's like, how did God's people reflect on this time later on? And so if we go to Psalm chapter 78, you'll see um, that they have an entire chapter here where, where is it? Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. So we're going to go, we're going to start in uh, verse 21. It says, when the Lord heard them, he was very angry. His fire broke out against Jacob and his wrath rose against Israel for they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of heavens and rained down manna for people to eat. He gave them the grain of heaven. Men ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose the east wind, yada. He rained down meat. So there's this whole thing that Israel, even as his people reflected later on, that they were not faithful. They did not trust, and yet God opened up the heavens and fed them. And so we're going to go back to that story. So Exodus 16. I'm going to go to Exodus 16. So I'm going to go there. And I'm not going to read the whole thing, although I kind of want to. So, <laughs> um, I do want to. Um, I'm, I'm just going to read parts of it. Then the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is, to, which is between... Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month. So just for a time, a line, they had been brought out of Egypt. They'd been out there for a month and a half. And it's not long that they get released and they get brought out that they start grumbling. This is just something, if you read Exodus, Deuteronomy, one of the things that is most common is that God's people, it doesn't take a lot of time for us to start complaining about things. So I want to go back, actually, and I'm going to read chapter 12, because you'll see what happens here is that they, I'm going to just read it rather than talking through it. So chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, this is to be your first month, I already read that, 14... We're going to 14. Everybody just follow along. It's going to be great. It's going to be mind-blowing. Moses, okay, so we're going to start verse 11. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Like, I love when there's actual sarcasm and and you're like, I can hear a person saying that. Like, were there not enough graves in Egypt that you brought us out here so that we could die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And isn't it interesting that sometimes we would rather have the comfort of, of bondage than the discomfort of reliance that comes with freedom. We would rather have the comfort of bondage, right? 
at least there we had all of these things taken care of for us. We would rather do that. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And I think one of the things that especially we have a really hard time with, with the pace in which we live is being still, waiting on the Lord. What does it mean to wait on the Lord, to be still? How do we do that when there are people who are, that we want to advocate for now and quick? How do we do that? Because some things feel like they can't wait anymore. Some things feel like they've gotten to the point where they have because people waited too long. So how do we do that? And I don't have an answer for you other than to say that as God's people, we should never step off of our crosses in order to, to get things accomplished. That we, sh- we still need to be s- s- still. And we have to be able to join in with the s- songs over and over the, that says, Lord, how long? How long? Get down here and get to work. That's how the prayers of God's people happen over and over again. And I'm not encouraging some sort of passive, don't do anything. I'm just saying that as God's people, we have to be willing to be still and wait, knowing that the Lord will fight for us. So I want to go to chapter 16, and I want to continue to read this story of manna again. The Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. So People are complaining. The Lord comes and says, I will rain down bread from heaven. He also said, I'm going to bring a lot of quail for you. But the, Is- the Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to a death. So, seems like there was something where God was saying, I will provide for you. But inside, we have something that we want more. Inside, we kind of want to sit around, we want to sit around pots and be, and be comfortable and have it on our terms. We want to be able to have the comforts that are provided when you're in the, when you're in bondage. God is saying, I'm inviting you to be free, but that will come with something where I will provide for you every day. And so he said, I will rain down bread from heaven. And then he also said on the sixth day, they are to prepare what to bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gather on other days. And I'm going to have to kind of go through these points. Um, I would encourage you, read the whole thing, because it's so interesting. What happens is that God's people... 
They ignore what was being asked of them, and they kept more than they needed, and it rotted. Except God said on the seventh day, the night before, gather twice as much as you need to keep it. So when we follow the way that God is calling us to live in this world, it actually works. But when we do it on our own power and by our own wisdom, based on our own anxieties that there's not enough, it will rot. It'll go bad. And so I would encourage you to read this. But one of the things that I thought was really beautiful, can we put up the Exodus 16 slide? It's got a few different verses on it. Um, keep going. Keep going. Next. Um, there we go. Yeah, okay. So manna is a, a word that just means what? Because that's what it really actually is, is what is it? I don't know. So when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. It's a good thing to say when you don't know what something is, I guess. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much. Everybody was told you can go out and get an omer, which is about a cup. Get an omer. And it's just like flaky. It, they, they, it was like cracker that tastes like honey. They called it the bread of angels. All I know is it's like the it's like the 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 never-ending bread s- sticks from Olive Garden of Heaven. I don't know what it was, but all I know is that. Uh, and when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Now, one of the ways that you could read that, and the way that I always have, is that there was some miracle that transpired that somebody that went out only got a small amount. Other people got a ton, but by the time they got back to their tents, it all evened out somehow. I think the better way to read this is actually the rabbis would teach that this is more of a communal reading, that there was an expectation that the poor, that the lame, marginalized would go eat first. They would always go first, that they would receive first. And so there's, an ex- there's probably some people who couldn't gather a lot. They could only gather a small amount. And then th- there were others that would gather extra, but when they got back, that somehow everybody doing th- their part would even out because they were gathering for the community gathering for everybody. And that's kind of like saying, you can't hold yourself up right now. Let me hold you up. And I think that's the better way to read this. And I think that what we need to see is that one of the first things we can learn about the desert wanderings is that we are meant to look at our lives as a community. That this whole concept of 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 personal, this is my stuff and not our stuff and all of that. That is, that is a very westernized way of seeing everything is that it's mine and I'll let you have some, but you need to be really thankful for me because I'm letting you have some of my stuff. And 
a reality is that we have to see each other as being, as holding up burdens for each other. And how much more does that harmonize with what Christ calls us to do to bear each other's burdens? That that is who we are meant to be. So as Israel is trying to find out what it means to be his people, they had to remember well and they had to imagine well and they had to live as a community. They had to let the pain of other people impact them. And I thought it was so interesting because it closes out and it says the Israelites ate manna 40 years. And you would think one way that you could think is they never learned their a lesson. And I don't think that's true. I think that relying on God constantly is not some lesson to be learned so that you can eventually get past it, right? No, this is what it means to be his people. Jesus said, when you pray, give us this day our daily bread. That's not something that you eventually just get and get past it and then go, okay, now I can rely on myself because I've learned that part. No, this is something we're, me- we're meant to do. This is a part of the good life. Um, I had a video, but it's gonna, I'm not going to be able to show it today. I'm going too long. I want to close with a Brennan Manning quote. The, in f- a futile attempt to e- erase our past, we deprive the community of our uh, healing gift. If we conceal our wounds out of fear and shame, our inner uh, darkness can neither be illuminated nor become a light for others. Um, so as I look to and as we look to the desert wanderings, I think it's important that we let our wounds and our dark places be illuminated. I shared a couple weeks ago um, about my time on sabbatical. And I, I maybe it caught some of you off hard to hear how much I was processing like my own pain and, and other things. And if I'm new to you, it may have not, um, that may have been a very confusing thing, but I've been asking the Lord what to do with some of the discomfort that I've felt um, just in the work of being a pastor. And I've tried to make the most sense out of it as possible. And as I was on sabbatical and I just in, in engage as much wisdom as I could, and I invited as many people as I could into that process to say, like, what do I do with this, became clear that my season at LBCF is coming to a close. Um, And that is, um, and I don't know what to do with that yet, and I'm trying to sort out what that means. Um, and I just wanted to share with you, as my community who has made it such a hospitable place for me to l- l- learn how to pastor and learn how to teach and how to do these things well. Um, and I've worked with Mary and uh, Danny. Um, and my last Sunday is going to be September 10th. Um, and I'm, I'm here and I want to 
walk and bless. And the best picture that's come up for me lately is that a river that flowed so well um, has, has now f- forked, but a forked river can provide a water to two separate places. And that's a beautiful thing, and that's a hopeful thing, and I'm choosing to see it th- that way. Um, and I would encourage us as a community that as, as we sort of walk through uh, this time, um, that I am open to answering any questions. Um, and I hate that it even has to be said, but it seems like in the world that we're in, this was not because of a, a moral failure or anything that happened behind the scenes. This is sh- strictly me trying to live in as much integrity as I have. And that's all that I can do, and that's all that I think anybody's called to. Um, and so, yeah, I hate that it has to be said, but I know that that comes up a ton. But I am here, and I am working hand-in-hand with Mary and Danny to um, set LBC up and up, and as best as um, I can to support, to help train, to help put things in place. So um, I guess Mary, Danny, and I think is Barb coming up, and Gabby. Um, So we're going to close. I know they, they wanted to come up and have a time of prayer. And then after that, we will do communion. And, um, and then we'll close with a worship. We're a little behind, so I apologize. Um, but yeah, now I'm going to hand it off to Pastor Emerita Barb. So I, um, yeah, so this is a sad happy. And I think um, you, you spoke the word over yourself, and that is the word integrity. Uh, this man and I, we've worked together for many seasons, and never have you not had integrity. Always you have um, chosen God and your heart to come together and speak to you, and that's caused you to do hard things and easy things, beautiful things, difficult things. And I know that this is a decision um, that is full of integrity, and full of the character that you continue to display uh, in your family, in the wider family of Long Beach Christian Fellowship. And so um, I don't get what I want, (laughs) but I get you, and I get to bless you in the knowledge that God blesses you and that he knows what you need and what we need as a community. I trust that as well. And so we want to pray for you, and, and I will begin. And if you would, community, just extend your hands, Lord, in agreement, yes, with, with that this is a right, good, hard, awful thing <laughs> that is going to be, um, yeah, that is going to be in our midst for uh, as, as long as it is. And so, Jesus, um, yeah, comfort Ryan. Um, speak to each of us that this is right and good. Um, Continue to show us that you are the God who travels with us in all the places that we find ourselves, Lord. And in our wanderings and wonderings, may you um, reveal over and over again your goodness and your love for Ryan, for his family, 
for this family of Long Beach Christian Fellowship. And um, yeah, God, you, uh, you give and you take away. And you do that because you are good. And I pray over Ryan that knowledge that um, he is a man of character and integrity. Amen. Jesus. <coughs> um, I'm thinking of all the people right now in this room who um, are having a hard time breathing right now because it's really hard to hear this news. And Lord, I just pray for peace, um, peace in the midst of this. And Lord, if there is not peace, I pray for a curiosity there that people will have um, the courage to ask questions of what is being stirred up within their hearts right now. Uh, courage to speak, courage to move, courage to act, um, courage to get to a place of peace and understanding. Lord, I pray uh, for this community, this beautiful, strange, wonderful community that we've built, Lord. Um, that you will just be balm for our souls. I pray for wisdom and discernment and courage in this next season and for this family, this long necker family that I love so much. I pray every good thing over them. I pray peace in their home, in their heart, in work, in play. Um, peace and joy in this next season for them. And God, thank you for each and every one of them and the way that they point us to you. Father, we don't always understand uh, your ways. God is LBCF as been now in existence almost 40 years. It does feel like wandering. But God, we trust that you will always provide the manna. You will always provide the provision we need. But God, right now our hearts are with Ryan, with Vanessa, with Lexi and Sierra as they process this season of change. But God, you would be in their midst Guide them as a family. Guide us as a church. And so, God, together we um, we don't always understand why things happen the way they do. But God, we want to wait. We want to trust. We want to worship. And so, help us, God, in the midst of this uh, news. But God, we would be still. We would know that you are God. God, we love Ryan. We thank you, God, for how he has loved us so well, how he has pastored, how he has taught, how he has been present. And just continue, Lord, to guide his tender spirit in the ways that you want him to go. And help us and help him in this time of listening, of waiting. That, God, he would continue to enter that place of peace. It's a blessing, God, we pray.
Lord, you are the I am. And we stand on that. We live in that. And we move in that. Thank you that Ryan has lived in that and moved in that with such integrity, Lord. Been such an example. I took my shoes off because this is holy ground. And Lord, I think about how Moses, you called him. And he didn't know how things would be done. But he did answer the call, and Ryan is answering your call. So we, as his congregation, we stand with him. And we say yes and amen to all you are doing, even though it's scary and it's painful, and we don't get it. We don't know the days ahead. But God, I ask that we would be cooperative, that we would trust you. We would listen to your every word. And we would support him, Lord. There are great days ahead. There are good days ahead. And your work and your will be done. Would your kingdom come and your will be done in all our emotions, in all our doubts, in all our not knowing. We trust you. God, I ask anointing over Ryan. In Jesus' name, you would anoint him in his comings and in his goings, Lord. Bless his family, Lord. Be their comfort, be their support. I get this picture of this hammock, that, that place of rest. Be their rest, Lord. Thank you, thank you for <laughs> the joy you've given us in Ryan, the way you have fed us through Ryan, the way you have loved us through Ryan. And we just love him back. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're now going to have we're not going to have a chance to come to the table. And so as a community, um, one of the other meals that we enter into that remind us of something bigger happening, something that has happened, but that opens up imagination to what could happen is the table of the bread and the cup that on the night Christ was betrayed, he broke his he broke the bread and said, this is my body broken for you. And he passed the cup and said, this is my blood poured out for you. When you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We also do the bitter herbs. And so that is a reminder that what we are rescued from is sin, death, bondage, Egypt, slavery, all of these beautiful things that we can taste. And it's bitter before we come to the bread and the cup. So on your own time, you can come up and partake, and then we will come up and close. <laughs>